Hey everybody, it's Dave from Nerds on Film. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, why don't you come out and check out our other source of media? It's our very own website. That's right, ladies and gents. We have a website dedicated to both Nerds on History and Nerds on Film. It's a nerd on me, har har, where you can also check out not only the website, you can hear the podcasts, but you can read our blogs, live interactive content. Check it out. There is a feedback page. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. We listen because we're good like that. Anywho, check us out. Let us know what's going on. See you in the funny papers. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, Sarah Ashley, and Kevin Satorius. So I was thinking back about uh, a few episodes ago when we were doing the, the Pixar stuff. You remember, Kevin, you were there. Uh, I'm sorry, I was so distracted by all the tangents and the arguments <laughs> of California Adventure. <laughs> I blame David. Because um, <laughs> he's so, wrong, right? I vaguely totally remember that episode. I think it was mostly me standing in a corner awkwardly listening to you and David argue. Yeah. By corner, I mean my house and listening to it as it was being released because I wasn't <laughs> actually there. <laughs> um, so thinking back on that, I kind of thought of a weird question because some of the Pixar universes that the individual movies take place in are a little, little, little twisted, right? A little twisted when you yeah. come to think about it. So I, I want to ask kind of what's what's the most disturbing Pixar universe? Hmm. All right. I mean, to start with, um, I'm actually just going to throw a Bugs Life out there. Uh, Bugs... They have their own purposes and everything in our physical world that we do exist in. But in the Bugs Life world, they also speak. I think it would be horrifying as you're walking and, and it, like you don't even see it. You hear, ah, squish. And oh, you, yeah. Like how awful would it be where you, you see a bug or a spider like that's crawling up your windowsill and you hear, please, no, I have a litter of 5,000 little eggs. Please, no, squish. I think it's very funny how we all assume that if they speak, they speak English. Well, oh, that's how that it too. is in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're actually in this universe, if we're talking about an American bug, they're speaking English. Yeah, very true. So there we go. It's true. Well, it's like, and not, not to go on too much of a tangent, but like with Star Wars, even though we hear English, they acknowledge it's not English. They call it Galactic Basic. Okay. So if you hear oh, okay. a person speaking English, quote, with their quotes. Air quotes, yeah. They are speaking basic. Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. Language. Anyway, so speaking whatever language. Well, that kind of puts a whole whole new twist on the fact that when I kill bugs, I scream, I am judgment, and then I squish them. <laughs> so. Madness. This is yeah, my bit. house. Squish. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Toy Story is pretty damn disturbing. If you think about it, like all those toys watching you. At all times. Think about as Andy's growing up when he first figures out what porn and masturbation is. I'm pretty sure that the toys being sentient beings and that would be like, all right, guys, we don't need to watch this. Everyone duct tape the, yeah, <laughs> duct tape the door. <laughs> I have a feeling that the, the toys have the ability to shut off their senses as it were. Like, okay. they're still sentient, but they can choose to just yeah, that's right, yeah. not see they or have not the, hear. Yeah, they're in self-command of being sentient and then non-sentient right. in terms of coming alive right. and not alive. So, like, they can be limp and <laughs> then... And then yeah, right. So, they can be limp but still be able to perceive the world around them, but then they can also just choose to go, go to sleep, so to speak. Think about it, though, because there's regular toys, but there's also sex toys. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. What if those came to life? Oh my gosh, no. 
No. How frightening would that be? I don't be? want to think about this. Oh, How God. absolutely frightening would that be? <laughs> that would be completely frightening. I mean, uh, all right. So I guess let's get uh, let's get uh, adult rated here. Um, vibrator. Vibrator has no moving parts to vocalize, so it would just what vibrate Morse code. <laughs> yeah, Phil says now. <laughs> <laughs> I like how his name's Phil. I'm inter- oh, 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 oh God. <laughs> Why I mean, not, interestingly not? enough, I mean, you already have Woody and Buzz, right? <laughs> no, actually, his name is Rod. Rod. There you go. <laughs> well, and then, like, so you have the, say you have the, the vibrator and the dildo just hanging out in the middle of the room, and then they're like, oh, no, Andy's coming. And the dildo just has to kind of flop back to the place. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like an inchworm. <laughs> and for those who are the age 13 to 17 who are listening to this episode... This Stop is ex- now. This is explicit. <laughs> this Check is back explicit in in about talk. five minutes. I know. I know. But explicit can mean lots of things nowadays. True, true. So. Uh, just hit the skip ahead 15 seconds button a few times. About eight yeah. times. Again. <laughs> exactly. All right. Okay. I think for me, the world that's most disturbing, and I'm going to get political here for a second, sorry, is Wally. Okay. Because Wally is pretty much our world just in the future where we've effed up the planet so much that. Sure. We had to abandon it. And screwed up ourselves as human beings where we become self-reliant on everything. And that's not to say there's not a multitude of other really frightening thoughts that we can think of when we start to break down the other Pixar worlds. Like, for example, uh, you said when we were preparing for this episode, Finding Nemo. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just having the idea of a great white shark talking English in our American sense. Like, I'm on a boat, and then all of a sudden, a great white shark breaches water and goes, Hello, lovely! And then just goes back underwater. That <laughs> would creep that, the heck like, out of me. Most sharks, when they, when they attack a human, they think you're a seal. They take a bite, and they realize you're not a seal, and then they run away. Can you imagine that? Oh, that tastes horrible! <laughs> oh, God! Oh, God! What is wrong with you, man? Eat some fiber! <laughs> oh, that's not what I wanted at all, was oh, it? <laughs> oh, lose some weight! Good Lord! I don't know why mine's having like a light British angry accent. I don't I think, know. I think you're like your person is passing a stone or something. <laughs> <laughs> a shark passing a stone? Oh, oh I God. wouldn't know. I wouldn't it's probably a real that. stone, not yeah. even like a well, stone. All right, so apart from great white sharks, which are the number one thing I'm most afraid of in this world, I eat seafood. I really enjoy seafood, and I tried sushi with you guys for the first time recently. You did? Yeah. How freaky would that be if you're in, you know, a seafood restaurant, you see the lobsters in the tank or the fish in a tank, and they're like, hey, hello, hello, why are there so many people here? Where did Fred go? Hello? No, they're picking me up. What's going on? No, no! Ah! See, I actually think that would be hilarious if there was a scene where the the dentist ordered sushi, and then Nemo asks the kid, hey, what's that? We don't talk about that, kid. (laughs) It's so demented, but so hilarious. Look away, kid, look away. Look away, look away. Hey, just a quick point to get back to Wally. Here's another added disturbing factor to that. Wally's on this planet, right? He is the last robot of his kind. But that's we, on Earth, yeah. That's cause... on Earth. But we know that there were others, right? Well, when whenever Wally has like a little malfunction or whatever, he he's, just yeah. he's able to swap out with those extra parts. Mm-hmm. Couldn't all of those other robots swap out with their extra parts? I'm. Th- I'm oh, all right. So um, I'm I, thinking Wally's kind of like a mass murderer of other robots. Well, I actually. All right. So I have good news for you. Um, this is a theory that I've been working on, and it's kind of proven true, um, even near the end of the movie. The Wally that you know throughout the movie is the only 
um, self-aware Wally that goes beyond his programming. Uh, like, and you can infer all the other Wallys did not because they did not survive. Okay. Wally, going past his programming, was able to pick up on how to self-repair in order to survive. And okay. that's and it's proven toward the end when he when his memory gets he comes back. And not only that, but the other robots aboard the Axiom, the ones that are malfunctional, yeah. they're beyond their programming yet. They're all able to become comrades. In battle and stuff, yes. Right, okay, right. so knowing that he is self-aware, knowing that there are other robots that can have the possibility of feeling like he does, how fucking twisted is it then that he's able to wear their parts? We don't know what happened to the other robots. You know, a robot needs a, a CPU that's active in order to function. Maybe their CPU got fried. That point aside, say you have somebody who's completely comatose, you're not going to strip off their skin and wear it like a coat. So you're Unless... saying that like, Wally's like the leather face of the Pixar world? Yes. No, 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 no. Yes, that's no. exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> no, come on, let's get real. He's more like the guy from Silence of the Lambs. Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> See, I just read that book, and he cut the skin off of people so that way he mm -hmm. could wear a human skin suit. Yep. So, anyway, just to get creepy. Terrifying. Here. I know. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, 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 will, I will happily debate this subject with you, Sarah, all day, every day, because... I'm just saying that it seems has, really twisted, doesn't it? It's a, very, it's a very solid and very sound argument. Okay. But... When you put logic to this, there's only so much you can infer from what you see in the movie. So how about we just contact Andrew Stanton, uh, who wrote it, okay. and just ask him. Okay. Andrew right. Stanton, your movie, Wally, is my favorite of all time. I would love to have a discussion with you beyond the world of the movie. Please get in contact with us. I'm at Kevin at Nerdonomy.com. <laughs> Um, and you now have a Twitter account too, don't you? We'll get to that later, I guess. No, still no Twitter. Still no. no. Okay. Still no. All right. I, I I'm not a tweet aholic like I know some of my coworkers and friends to be. Okay, fair enough. What about cars? Uh, all right. So here's how cars is disturbing to me in two levels. One, there's no humans that exist in this world, and so everything is like double wide. Everything is like you know, designed for cars to do it themselves. But who invented the cars? That's that's the one thing that disturbs me. Is mm. like what came before the cars? Because they have a Model T Ford in the movie, and it's like an old granny and whatever. But the other thing that disturbs me is that this is actually in deleted scenes and concept uh, story uh, art that uh, when a car was sick of the body that it was in, the body would be removed, and then another body would be put on top of that. And so what's under the car, as you know, some of us are inclined to understand in terms of how cars work. It's the engine, it's the chassis, it's the wheels, it's the axle, it's sometimes the shocks. So imagine like a car skeleton, but it has no eyes. And at the same time, um, the cars and cars have mouths, right? And tongues and teeth. So they have to have some sort of digestion system or something in order to make that hmm. mouth have a purpose. Yeah. So that's Aside what from just speech. Exactly. Exactly. Well, okay. So what if, oh, what if there was like a thing where, you know how car technology in itself is just getting better and better you yeah. know google has a self-driving car etc what if the that movie actually takes place in our future where all these cars have evolved and then there was like a couple of like supercars and then like all the humans died off and then they just started manufacturing cars like themselves that would get really creepy yeah really creepy really fast and because like we were also talking about before like how how are new cars made they're that's just, my whole point are they as just well, manufactured yeah. right well, exactly. there's also or is there car sex <clears throat> 
Vroom, 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 I mean, I haven't seen Cars 2, but Cars 2 establishes now that there are not just cars. There are also planes that are sentient beings. Well, so Cars was... 1 actually did kind of establish that. There were fighter jets and other airplanes oh, in Cars true. 1. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. There aren't factory, like a species of factory things that build cars and build planes. No? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm thinking because if we apply the world of Cars 2 into the world of Cars 1, it being the same in both movies, um, I actually think there is um, a place where cars are manufactured. For the life of me, I'm forgetting it. But yeah, yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying, Brian. And I'm very certain that they do mention it somehow in that movie. But for the life of me, I'm just blanking on it for right now. Okay. Well, I don't think we can really decide what's more disturbing because everything's kind of twisted in their own way. It really is. Yeah. Um, hold on. There was, there was one movie that I wanted to uh, share about what I thought was the most disturbing. And why did I just forget it? Because we talked about this uh, before we started recording. But um, I don't know. For the sake of filling time, then, uh, I want to bring up Monsters Incorporated. Not in the sense that it's creepy, but awesome. But here's a creepy factor. They have somehow discovered a wormhole... And a parallel, and they are a parallel universe. Oh yeah, and they have shared that universe. information. Yeah, yeah, straight up. So, do, do you think the rules of being able to um, extract power from laughing and screaming apply in our, in the human world as well as, I mean, as well as the monster world? Well, see, that's actually that's a really good question, and I started watching that with uh, some of my nephews. Or I'm sorry, uh, not nephews, uh, my cousins, sons and daughters. So, second. Little cousins, little cousins, mini cousins. Wee First cousins, cousins one cousins. removed. Thank you. Um, I started watching this, and actually, you know what, Sarah? That's it's really serendipitous that you asked this because that's exactly what I thought. Mm -hmm. Why do they have to go to the human world to extract scream and then eventually laughter when they could just do it themselves? So I think it literally has to do with how a child's octaves produce sound when it comes to screams and laughter that creates some sort of particle resonance in order to extrapolate and then get. In, and, and apply as power in the Monsters universe. Is it then possible that we can do that? I really want it to be. So that way we don't have to worry about oil and all that other shit. Right, and just the, the laughter of children can mm -hmm. help power our world. Hospitals. <laughs> help power our cars. Yeah. Our television, so that way it's infinite power. Hooray! <laughs> there you go, yeah. yeah. Friends would just fuel the, the world. Exactly. And with that, welcome to Nerds on Film, everybody. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I am Kevin Sitorius. David McGuire could not be here tonight. But he we is have finishing a, a script. We do have another lovely guest, though. We do have a, a lovely little furry guest. Um, my my nef pup, Marty, is uh, is actually hanging out with me today while my, my brother and my sister-in-law are out of town. So he's, he's hanging out. So if you hear any weird um, chewing, slobbering, growling... Possibly barking. Chair humping. Yeah. Chair humping. <laughs> no, that's another dog I pet sit for. Marty is being very well behaved. Yes. If we He's... say hi, does he really bark? Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay. But if you scare the crap out of him, he'll bark. <laughs> but we don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't want to no, do that. we don't want to do that, because yeah. then he'll never stop barking. But, but he's he's chilling on my lap right now, so he's being good. Cool. Okay. Anyway, um, so cool thing that Brian and I did today. We were at Baycon 2013. We were. Triskaidekaphobicon, as they're calling it. Yep, and it was our first NerdCon as, a, as Nerdonomy. It was great, and Eric was there as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had Really, a really cool, because we got to introduce the podcast to a lot of new people. 
who would never have known about it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got to learn about some other cool podcasts and other neat goings-on in the, just in the Bay Area, but also around the world, too. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um, a lot of fantasy and sci-fi writers were present. Nice. Because mm-hmm. it's a fantasy sci-fi convention. And we also got recognized by a fan. Yeah, yeah. Somebody actually, what? yeah. It was unbelievable. So cool. Yeah, so me and Eric, Sarah was on, uh, you were, I think, in one of the panels when we were doing that. Yeah. And Eric and I were manning the table, and this woman walks by and all of a sudden gives us the heart symbol. And we're like, do you listen to us? And she said, yeah, we listen to you all the time when I'm at work. And it was unbelievable. And she was making, I think she was more listening to Nerds on History, but you know, she made references like saying, first of all, what's up with the, the history of the bathroom episode? Like, seriously? Really? <laughs> uh, but it was, it was really, really, it easily made my day mm-hmm. to see that. It was super, super cool. Um, and we gave her a shout out over Twitter, on her Twitter nice. account. So, Natalie, thank you so much. This is your shout out for today, if you listen to Nerds on Film. And if not, start. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll get this message to you somehow. Somehow. Oh, we will find a way. That was really cool. So the panel that I was on... Oh, right, totally. ...was actually a panel about identifying dragons, which was kind of interesting. Mm, mm, what? Identifying dragons. Identifying dragons. They're scaly. They have wings. What else is they there to They look like identify? dinosaurs. Yeah, but also creating identities for dragons okay. and creative you know, creative ways. So okay. also, you know, are we talking European dragons? Are we talking Asian dragons? And yeah. it was just a- Oh, wow. That, uh, you just said that? And here's the thing. My subconscious knew about this all along, but my conscious never made that association in yeah. terms of Asian versus European. Yes. Holy cow. Right. Yeah, very so, different whoa. perceptions, yeah. Whoa. Also, Mesoamericans had wig and serpents, too. Mm-hmm. So they, they wouldn't call them dragons, but they were essentially the I same mean, thing. Yeah. You could look at anything like... Loch Ness monster is a type mm. of dragon. You could look at a griff- you, you could look at a a griffin as a type of dragon. Peter Griffin. Jesus Christ, we're gonna have- <laughs> sorry. So this, this person made the argument that a griffin is a type of dragon. Well, it was just saying that every culture has their own sort of dragon. Okay. Or dragon type thing. That's right. We um, have Game of Thrones. Yes. Or you know Quetzalcoatl. You know, same kind of thing. So, it was just a really fascinating topic. Really interesting discussion. And so I thought that it would be a really good idea for a podcast topic to talk about dragons as portrayed in film. So, Sarah, what you're telling me is that you are preparing us for our... Segway! Yeah! Oh, yeah. I didn't think we needed one that time, but okay, we'll uh, go with it. I, I, I wanted to go with it. He just wanted me to sing the Segway song. Yeah, Pretty I much. Would, but see, I wish I had been known, because then I would have sung, too. Oh, all right, take two. Ready? Oh, Three, God. two, one. Segway! Yeah! Double O, yeah! Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just wanted to do the O, yeah! Theater degree. Yes. You, you give me a chance to sing, I'm going to do it. You see me at karaoke. I know. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I did karaoke for the first time on Wednesday. Yeah, oh, yeah. I saw the that? pictures and yeah. you didn't invite me, asshole. Just, oh, whoa, 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 time out. I was invited by coworkers and it went really well. Um, for those that have read my articles on our blog and have seen my picture, um, I, I tend to wear very nerdy glasses. Um, in fact, when I got glasses uh, the first time, I said, I want the glasses that Weezer wears. Um, and so I never did until I was in college. And so therefore, my first karaoke song ever was uh, Buddy Holly. There you go. Oh, I like that. It went very well. Um, I actually got a standing ovation from a couple people in the crowd, and I was like, 
Really? I was terrible, but thank you. <laughs> They're being supportive. It's fine. Exactly. Being very supportive. Yeah. And I did have uh, 24 ounces of Sapporo to help give me the courage as nice. well. Yes, liquid courage, liquid, as they call it. Liquid courage. Yes. I was making a Dark Knight reference. I like how we went away from the segue. And now yeah. we're going back to the segue. Yeah. <laughs> Triple O. Yeah. Uh, okay, so well, where do you want to start? Well, I kind of want to talk about just... The different types of dragons, different ways dragons have been portrayed as like an overall, and then we can maybe talk about examples. So, okay, can we uh, include favorites? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The, well, the conversation always goes toward favorites. It does. <laughs> I just want to make sure it's on the record. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Like I said, European dragons kind of versus Asian dragons. So, are you making that distinction? Are we talking dragons as in a um, little bit more just animal like, where they don't necessarily they don't talk? Um, you know, all almost all of them have you know, special powers of some sort, whether it's like flying, breathing, fire, etc. Animalistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're more kind of on the pet scale or something like that, or at least used as a tool or, um, you know, whatever. And we can talk again. Creature, usually a beast of some kind, yeah. yeah. Or are we talking about one that is, you know, has in higher intelligence, um, can vocalize or communicate somehow, you know, even if it's telepathically or whatever. Right. Um, and have maybe their own sort of society, their own sort of civilization, yeah, um, their own sort of way of operating. Rules. Yeah. Because, right. I mean, if you look at the marks of, of human characteristics and, again, higher higher intelligence, um, being self-aware, and um, also having a sense of spirituality. Yeah. Well, you very rarely, I think, in films see dragons that don't have some sort of anthropomorphic characteristic i mean the harry potter movies are the most recent example of non-anthropomorphized dragons uh, well game of thrones game of thrones as well okay but that's more television but, but yes uh i would actually disagree in terms of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone uh when norbert norbert hatches out of the egg and it's it it seemed very forced in terms of how norbert was introduced um norbert de- or norbert 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 because norbert my- was a bad movie <laughs> Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And an Academy Award winning uh, makeup artist did the work on that movie. Anyway, uh, Norbert, uh, when it is hatched, it is very, it doesn't seem animalistic. It seems very forced in terms of the gestures and um, every little thing it does. Whereas in Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2, it definitely felt and seemed animalistic in nature. And I would say it also is would be the case oh, in, in Goblet uh, of Fire. Goblet of Fire, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Norbert had a couple quick moments as in the baby form, but right. other than that, you even in the books, they didn't that was actually very underplayed. Exactly. Like they mentioned Norbert, but that's it. Right. And the other thing to kind of take note is the human relationship between the dragon yeah. and um, you know, the human. Are we looking at a friendship, a partnering? Are we looking at adversaries? Are we looking right. at adversaries that become friends? More often than not, it's a it's a friend kind of basis. I would think, think the exception of Smog. But in that was Hobbit. That's actually something that's relatively new. Yeah. that's only yeah. something yeah. that's been around for you know maybe a hundred years ish. They're making friends with the dragon, or yeah, the, because yeah. before that it was always you know Maleficent and the prince riding in, riding in to, to kill right. the dragon. And, well, at the same time, I just want to throw this out there. Even though it's not film, uh, dragons in terms of medieval times was always seen as a be- uh, evil beast that helps a uh, knight as a rite of passage. Like you right. slay yeah, the beast, yeah, yeah. you become you know right. noteworthy. You become right. knighted, things like that. Well, that mm-hmm. also stems from the legend of Saint George. Yes. Um, 
having to slay a dragon. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is true. It's a very contemporary idea, taking the old story and twisting it on its head. That, that uh, I mean, every dragon story I know of has usually been involved the adversary dragon becoming the friend. Dragonheart. Dragonheart, Dragonheart's absolutely. the number one for that one. Um, but yeah. I would also say How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Is very much that case. Mm-hmm. Although the the dragons don't speak a language that humans understand. No, but, but they, they have personalities, though. Uh, they vocalize, and they create sounds that humans understand. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Aragon, too. I didn't see it, but uh, they, they actually were the dragons that spoke yeah. telepathically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually vocal. Because they acknowledge that dragons don't actually have the a, a voice box, so they right. have to communicate through some other mystical means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Telepathy. Yeah, exactly. Naturally being the next one. Yeah, so you see what was interesting in the film, so you see them looking at you and expressing certain expressions. Yeah, like all. their eyes would twitch in, like, you know, as they're telepathically talking to you. So as right. a way, like, humans inadvertently just will change their eyes, whether voluntary or not, while speaking. And I thought Aragon is not a good movie, but I thought that was actually one of the most interesting parts is that um, without a dragon actually speaking, they find a way to make it humanistic for humans to, like, identify with. Right. Right. Okay. Well, and you have to have some sort of some sort of context for it because it's not like, you know, looking at a dog or, you know, an animal that, you know, we can see on a regular context. This is something that's completely mythical. Right. So how can you create a way of of having it appeal and apply and have it something relatable? Yeah. Well, the thing I found really interesting since we're talking about identifying different kinds of dragons mm-hmm. is that both the Harry Potter and How to Train Your Dragons movies and now TV show too, because uh, they have a. They don't call it How to Train Your Dragon, but it's the same characters. Uh, yeah, they do call it How to Drain Your Dragon. It's like a dragon. No, it's called tra- Dragon Something of Something. <laughs> it's on the Cartoon Network. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> super specific right now. But what I I think is interesting about it is they've now established different species of dragons, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. like well, no, that they, was that was pretty cool. Yeah, they did in the movie. They just like they showed saying. it, but they didn't talk about it. Well, that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. Is that Harry Potter and those that movie were the first two times we started to see started to see different species of dragons? Uh, not true. Uh, Reign of Fire. Rain of ah, Fire. Ah, uh, thank Fire. you. Thank you. Rain of Fire. Yep. Okay. So then, oh, that was early 2000s, we start movie. to see. What? I did not like that one. What? Oh my god. All right. We'll we'll get to this discussion. Okay. So nevertheless, within the last 10 to 15 years, you're 20. starting to see that Bold Rain of Fire was 2002. Right, but uh you're also forgetting um Drag Oh. You see you are making Marty mad. <laughs> yeah. No, Dragonheart. They totally talk about it in Dragonheart. Different species? Yeah. Different dragons, different species. Yeah. Well, I thought they just spoke about different dragons, not different species of dragons. Well, the fact that you're using the word different does it means not the same. Well, no, like talking about different dragons. Like, like, like Norbert people. was a Norwegian Ridgeback. Uh-huh. You know, like the, the main the dragon that makes friends was a Night Stalker or whatever they called it. Because he was, and there was very a very... true. That's what I'm saying. Different, oh, okay. Different phenotypical and a phenotypical uh, 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 category. Exactly. Breeds, okay. if you will. But I would Breeds. actually say okay. they're different enough to be different species of dragons. Okay. They may not talk about that in Dragonheart because it's it's been like eight years since I've seen that. But, Thank but you. they do talk about different dragons. Times. Well, yeah. yeah, we assume that there's a plural, sure. But this was what I thought was really, really interesting, where they were, they were really expanding on that world, giving it much more color right, and variation right. to it. Well, and even then, it's actually, it's kind of still different breeds of dragon. Because if you look at, like, uh, you know, I keep going back to dog reference because I have one right next to me. But, you know, <laughs> there's a difference between a Chihuahua and a Great Dane. 
So and they look sure. extremely yeah. different, but yeah, they're but still they're dogs. the same species. Yeah, yeah. So, they're still dog. Yeah, yeah, they're all a, a variation of gray wolf. Yeah, right. So, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, it, like how um, it, it just depends on it depends on how much the movie really wants to get into the lore of dragons, whether they're used as a contextual point to get the story forward, or whether there actually is a world about dragons. Well, yeah. Um, Let's look at something like Pete's Dragon. You sure? You know, we're we're in a, a context that's very, you know, human. It's a human world, and here you have this this dragon, and it's it's the classic story of this kid needing a friend. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know, I've got bullies, but these bullies wouldn't bother me if I had a dragon. And very interesting artistic choice that the dragon was a two D animated mm-hmm. dragon. You know, how did Pete talk? Because I also saw that talking, movie. Like, he talked in like puffs and like sounds. <laughs> right, but he didn't okay. like speak words. Okay, because I only saw that movie once when I was like six. Yeah, it's yeah. been a really long time since I've seen it's it. It's good for yeah. really, really little kids Yeah, yeah. to see. Well, at the same time, now that you're mentioning the plot of Pete's Dragon, that's almost identical to How to Train Your Dragon, just set yeah. in, you know, no- well, Norse, Norwegian. Mm-hmm. What's the word I'm looking for for that movie? It's Viking times. Right. And there was Norse. also this small movie that took place in mid-90s called Dragon World, which was... It came out, like, right before Dragonheart did. Was it the prequel to Spice World? <laughs> no. I Why do I think it. I remember this It was, one. like, this small group of Scottish farmers who found a dragon egg. Yes! And started to raise it. And yes! then some big billionaire tries to go and make a, a theme park out of it. And um, That was to, called and, Jurassic and, Park, The Lost World. Hang on. They uh, they buy the farm and they're like, well, you can't buy that. It's like, I can do whatever I damn well please. And so they're trying to, and the dragon basically is like, it's that very much that, oh, we need to free him and go out. He has to be on his own. You can't keep him for ourselves. Oh, like a free willy kind of context? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like free willy with the dragon, exactly. Free the dragon. Well, and uh, that actually, Dragonheart kind of goes along the same way, even though they start off as adversaries first or whatever, but yeah. they kind of go into a free willy context at the end. In a way, but at the yeah, same time, way, yeah. Draco wasn't was trying to be killed the whole time, right? Yeah. But he sacrificed half of his heart to let the prince live, and the prince's heart and his heart were one. So whatever the prince was feeling, he would feel too. Right. So yada, yada, they had to yada. kill, that's, and that's to... why he wanted them to kill him. Yes. So that that's he. It wasn't the whole time. He wanted to live at first until he got to put into a position where he's like, "This prince is an asshole. I'm going to give him half yeah. my heart, and then I'm going to tell you, you need to kill me." And he's the last one, right? As yeah, he's John the Connery. Last... I am the last one. I am the last one. I love that movie. I do too. Yeah, I felt like it was stylistically. It was pretty much. The Dragon World concept and the Braveheart. Yeah. Put together. Because if you look at Dennis Quaid's character, he looks very much like Mel Gibson's William Wallace character, which, by the way, is totally historically inaccurate. Sure, sure. William Wallace was actually Welsh. He was not. He fought for Scotland, but he was not actually Scottish. Sorry, my, my nerds in history side just broke out for a second. My That's apologies. Okay. That's okay. It's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, fun fact. We had talked uh, briefly about you know visual effects and CGI with mm-hmm. uh, Dragonheart. It was the first anthropomorphized being that ILM has ever created on screen. And technically, if you put Toy Story aside, the first anthropomorphic uh, CGI being on screen. Well, it, it would say in a live-action movie. Yeah. In a live-action movie, yes. Yeah, because then you get to Star Wars a couple yes. years later, and it's a whole different ballpark at that point. Was it a couple years? It was only a few years later, because oh, Dragon Heart came out in 96. Yeah, that's and right, Phantom three Menace years. And came out in... Well, actually, not even Phantom Menace, Men in Black, two years later. 
You're no Men in Black was '97. I'm sorry. What am I saying? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, and uh, yeah, ILM did the effects on that. Yeah. Too. So it was very very close. Uh, hold please. What is this? Sharks one. Game Yay, seven. Going Yay. to game seven. So we're going to game seven. Who? Hey, what are we, 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 we talking about? Nerds on sports is an oxymoron. <laughs> Freaking out right now. Fantasy football. Hello. <laughs> Get out. Um, but getting back on topic. In terms of uh, like anthropomorphized beings in terms of the Draco for Dragonheart. You could make the argument that the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were anthrop- anthropomorphized, but technically they weren't because, I guess, in terms of the category of anthropomorphism is actually speaking. Sure. So that's why Draco is like a significant landmark when it comes to visual effects and CGI. However, okay. um, in my digging uh, for like Dragonheart history, uh, Phil Tippett, who is a master, master effects guru, genius, and god at this point... He was part of the team that helped design and create Draco from storyboard to maquette to CGI. However, the actual designer was, his name was Pete Koenig, uh, so I wanted to make sure to give him credit. Um, So Rob Cohen Cohen directing uh, this movie actually had given the ILM team advice that he wanted uh, Draco to embody a very... A traditional Chinese guardian lion look rather than typical Asian dragon aesthetics that we have seen from, you know, scrolls and from past uh, design drawings, things like that. So are we talking it's basically fused Asian and European dragon style? Fused Asian and European influences on mythical beings. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, like, at first, you don't really, in my eyes, um, you don't really see it until you look at the way his quills, Mm -hmm. his spikes protrude from his face. Yeah. And then you totally see a quill mane type of thing. Right. So let's try and look, I guess, a little bit more towards, if we can look at Asian-style type dragons. I have one. Two off the top of my head. There's Mulan, Mushu. I was going to say, but there's actually, I think there's a gross... Underrepresentation of oh, Eastern no, clearly. style dragons. No, clearly he's very he's tiny. He's a little bit more like Jiminy Cricket. It's it's <laughs> Jiminy Cricket with an attitude, <laughs> right? So yeah, I, that one. You know, aside from that, but that is the typical kind of more serpentine style, smaller, smaller limbs, but yeah. and, but Asian. Clearly, it's Mulan. Um, but there's also influence, Asian influence in Falcor and Neverending Story. Explain, because I always thought he was Doug. So he kind of does like the he has the long serpentine. He actually does have parts. Snout. He has parts of, of scales, but also the more dog like face. If you look in, um, you know, some Asian portrayals yeah. of, of more elemental looking type dragons, um, especially ones that look more like wind, you see more of a dog like face. Yeah. What about the ears though? Mm, well, not probably in, in, a choice, but he's yeah. he's called a luck dragon. He is a dragon. Yeah. Okay. But like uh, when it comes to the never-ending story, um, if you look at his face head on, I totally see the Asian influence one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, the mm-hmm. eyes and the snout for sure. Yeah. Have a very clearly Asian derivative. What's the word I'm looking for? Influence. Imperative to it. No, that's not even a word. Never mind. I don't know what you're talking about. Derivation. Okay. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. go with that. I'll okay. give you that one. <laughs> Yay! I know English. Judge so. say? We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> but I, I like Falcor. I think he's a fantastic dragon. All right. You guys are going to hate me for saying this. You've never seen Never Ending Story? 
I, I will loan it to you. Okay, good. It, the funny thing is, is watching it as an adult, I kind of had, last time I saw it, I was kind of like, God, is this a never-ending movie? Because it goes on for so <laughs> no, long. I actually, Seriously? as a little kid, was like, nay, nay, this is horse... Well, I wouldn't say horse shit, but I would say <laughs> this is uh, nonsense because the movie does end after two hours. True. I thought the movie story was supposed to never end. True, but for two uh, hours for a kid, that's a long that's movie. That's a long movie, yeah. And then they did never-ending story part two. So. Yes. So it technically did not ever end until the end of part two. <laughs> well, and even then, actually, at the very end of that movie, they do the same sort of uh, have a dragon to beat the bully sort of thing, because at the very end, the kid goes riding off on Falcor in the real world, and he's like, you know, yeah, Falcor, and like pointing at the bullies, being like, get him! And it's kind of awesome. Sick him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't actually hurt them, but he scares them a lot. Oh, I don't That's doubt true. it. Yeah. And, um, of course, then there was Double Dragon and Mortal Kombat that had dragons in it. Uh, no. What? No, those are only in names and titles and logos. Oh, come on. Can Double Dragon did not have dragons. <laughs> it, 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 they were on an amulet. Yeah, fair enough. There you Anthropomorphic go. Anthropomorphic or not? It's on an amulet. Uh, that's why I'm asking Brian. It was mystical in nature. It did not have a consciousness to it. It just and wasn't mystical. And there it is. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Bad no. Brian. <laughs> that's the only um, thing I have right. to contribute. Okay. <laughs> so, in terms of uh, dragon influence, in terms of uh, movie mythology, in terms of how to use dragons, whether contextual for story or plot devices or whether characterization, um, I think my favorite at this point. Even beating Dragonheart, even though Dragonheart has Sean Connery and his yes. all of his awesomeness, yes. I think How to Drain Your Dragon best encapsulates dragons as contextual and as characters. Okay. Because they are literally, they're not only in the freaking title, but they are the beings themselves drive the story, yet it centers around understanding why do we fight dragons? Why do we hate them so much? Why do we constantly have to battle them? And How to Train Your Dragon creates this incredible mythology that they are all hunter-gatherer bees yeah. for the ultimate dragon mother queen bee. Right. They it's, have their own society. Exactly. Their own ecological purpose. Right. Even though they're completely different beings, like there's several different levels of dragons, that they all serve one purpose as a species. Like, it was brilliant. I never saw that with dragons before. Yeah. Like, with Dragonheart, yes, dragons exist. Dragons hate man in terms of survival instinct. But once they die, they become stars in the galaxy. Well, so here's... Uh, this is why I love Dragonheart. And actually, I want to say that Draco is probably my favorite dragon. Okay. Not Falcor. Falcor, I love, but... Toothless Dra is mine, but let's continue. <laughs> but Draco's my favorite because they have an origin story. And they have a spiritual... They have a spirituality. They have a mm -hmm. religion. Yeah. And I think that makes them extremely complex. And I think it makes it significantly more complex than... You know the way other some other dragons are portrayed. So right. I think no, I, I really appreciate that. Not only is that a valid point, I totally see where you're coming from because yeah. in Dragonheart, the dragons are the only beings that are really brought up to a human level. Whether it's we as the audience recognize it, but at the same time, characters in the movie also do no. at the same time. Yeah, they know it. But here's, you, you know, we're looking at it at the end of a dragon lifespan. There was a time when dragons were the ones who were the dominant species. Mm -hmm. 
And that's, you know, it's glorious. It's fallen glory at this point by the time that we see the movie. But that's right. that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian? I don't think I have a favorite representation. Um, I definitely appreciate Draco in Dragol, And I really am very fond of all the dragons in High Train Your Dragon. Yes. What I would like to see, however, is one that is far more uh, Eastern in its influence. Closer to Falcor, I would say. Because in Chinese culture, and in other Asian cultures too, I'm sure, dragons are not adversarial. They are guardians. Yeah, they're you know? more about bestowers what? of what? wisdom. I'm a real dragon! Yeah. <laughs> they're they're they, elemental and they're... Exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. actually pretty much used the same way gargoyles were used. Yeah. Well, I was going to say gods to be... Uh, to well, almost that's to true. a fault. Some of that, them, yeah. That, well, not that, to a fault, true. to a degree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on which version of Chinese culture, because right. the Chinese religion, if you even want to call it that, doesn't necessarily have a theology to it. It's... There is a you your ancestors stick around, right? And there is a an afterlife of some kind, but it's not. Dragons are just mystical creatures that aid in that, basically. Right. Yeah. Isn't there a dragon spirited away? Yes, there is. Oh, now, um, in my research uh, preparing for this, um, I did find that spirited the dragon from Spirited Away tends to be like either the number one or within the top five of people's favorite dragons in movies. See, I haven't seen that one. I haven't either. Oh, it's it's so frustrating because I do want to talk about this, but I haven't seen Spirited Away yet. And I know for the fans out there that are hearing this... They're probably screaming at I, their phones I, right now. I am so sorry that I am shattering all your worlds for not seeing NeverEnding Story and Spirited Away. I really apologize. I know. You're just not, you're not up and, on the up and up with this one. Total side note, but actually I really enjoyed the other um, Miyazaki film. Well, there's been many, but uh, I loved Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle, not yeah. Howl's Moving Castle. I don't Castle, think I've sorry. seen that one either. I haven't seen Howl's that Moving Castle is great. And the English yeah. version has uh, voices of Billy Crystal, Christian Bale, uh, a young Josh Hutcherson, um, really a spectacular cast of actors. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, voice actors. It's really great, great movie. Even though this is like a double side note and everything, um, Fun fact, uh, in terms of my wealth of useless knowledge, this coming from Pixar, uh, this little tidbit, do you know that Hayden Panettiere is in A Bug's Life? Really? Yeah. Oh, she's the princess, right? Yeah, Princess Dot. Yeah. Wow, how cute. That's such a cute voice, too. Like, yeah. you, it's completely unassuming. And then you see Remember the Titans, and then you're like, okay, I can kind of hear that. And then you watch Heroes, that and you're like... That was her, wasn't it, in Remember right? the Titans? Wow, I haven't yeah. seen that forever, either. I know, right? And then you see her in Heroes, and you're like, totally different voice. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. I know, right? Very interesting. Are there any Eastern dragons that we can think of? Other than Mushu, which is an offensive name in and of itself for a dragon. Sure. Yeah, that is. Oh, God, such a stereotypical American trying to make a joke out of Chinese culture. Yeah. But yeah. can I just say that... Mulan has one of the best songs in Disney history. Let's get down to yes. business <laughs> to defeat the, the Huns. Huns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that song. Um, when I was in college, when I was of legal age, um, I would go to parties where we would be consuming massive amounts of alcohol. And near the end of the evening, this is when you would know it would wind down, where the host would start putting on Disney music. Yep. And Be a Man, when that would come on, that was like either the last song or second to last uh, mm-hmm. song. And everyone, you know, not necessarily blitzed out of the mind, but buzzed out of the mind, would completely sing that all the way through. So I would just want to say that um, there were times when I was backstage for shows uh, where people would sing that full voice with no music or alcohol in their system. 
So, granted, of course, theater department versus yes. just general college kids, but never <laughs> Drunken college kids. It's, it's, it's still a classic it is. in that world. At my old job, I and this was college kids, again, college kids. At my old job, we, we were techs. But we were concert techs. We weren't theater techs. We were concert techs. And we would be, like, building cable. We'd be repairing stuff, testing out speaker <laughs> sounds, whatever. And we would just have the Disney Pandora station going. And I am the only girl. It was the boys putting this on. Oh and then gosh. so they would all we would all sing it. And then, of course, like, Mulan's little part, like, hope he doesn't see right through me. I would always have to do that part. It was just, like, <laughs> so freaking funny. It was so much fun. We called it Disney Wednesdays. My favorite part of that song is actually not the main part. It's actually the actually the reprisal because that's where they have the brilliant idea to uh, to disguise themselves as the concubines. Ah, uh, yeah. And I just the, the beautiful <laughs> irony of be a man, and they're all getting like into drag mm-hmm. and coming up with very creative ways of looking like they didn't, they didn't use the word concubines though, did they? I yes, they did. did concubines, they? ugly concubines. <laughs> oh, right, that's right, true. But like kids, like daddy, what's a concubine? I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> it is when one man has many wives that make him happy for a long time <laughs> until they get old. Random tangent again. I know, yeah, right? I know. Okay, okay. So anyway, so I'm trying to pull it back here. So uh, um, wrapping this, oh, not wrapping this up, but um, I wanted to add in another movie that creates a very intriguing mythology about dragons. Unfortunately, not Eastern, but more European. And I'm ready to have this uh, discussion with you, Sarah. Okay. Reign of Fire. All right, go ahead. So with Reign of Fire... Jurassic Park, basically, with dragons. No. It's a dystopian. Yes. Dragons destroy the world. In the sense that they're beastly creatures. I mean, they're not not characters, necessarily. Correct. So contextual. Yeah, they're a force. Um, So the movie begins like how, uh, you know knights in medieval times would slay dragons and how we always perceive them to be you know mystical creatures mm-hmm. and how they disappear one day and in modern times england they're fracking and doing some or not fracking but they're doing some you know the is it the, the ch- not the channel um the underground construction and they stumble upon a cavern with all these weird egg-shaped creatures and then all of a sudden this giant eye just opens up and sure enough Big Mama Dragon wakes from a couple thousand year slumber, and sure enough, all the eggs hatch, and more dragon beings awake, and they completely destroy the world, scorch it in fire and flame, nothing really survives. Then set in a dystopian future, they have people, you know, trying to survive, you know, they know the dragon's habits and that type of thing, and then they have Matthew McConaughey just (laughs) coming in out of nowhere. With a bald head and a Duck Dynasty kind of beard and tattoos all over the place. And hunting dragons. Uh, Christian Bale doing one of, his, one of his first roles where he is actually his, no, his nationality. He's his his playing British yeah. accent. Well, he's yeah. Welsh, but he plays English yeah. in the movie. And I got to tell you, um, it's not a great movie. No. It is a good movie. No. Yes, it is. I, I, I would just, say it's entertaining. I don't no. know if it's I just think that the, I think the acting's bad. I think the story's shaky it's just i like the premise i think the premise of it is something that's really cool i just don't think it was well executed and and i don't really have that much i don't have anything really solid to give a point on because it has been so long since i've seen it but i do i think it was just really just poorly executed that's the best way i can say it it's just not their best as you know christian bale matthew mcconaughey is not their best as actors wait matthew mcconaughey has wait no he does have a best he does have a best he does have a best it's been a while since we've seen it but you know Jason yeah. and confused was awesome whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> angels in the outfield hello 
That's true. He was in Angels yeah. in the So was Adrian Brody. Come on, that's right. That's right. He was. Actually, a lot of people <laughs> are working now. That's very good. Thank you. That Again, useless knowledge. And of course, sitting all up here. JGL. JGL. Hey. Hey. That movie is just about a warm. It is good. Even with uh, Danny Glover going into full uh, lethal weapon mode without expletives. Oh, Danny Glover's good in that movie, too. Yeah, he oh, sure that is. that's such a good movie. <gasps> you mean there are real angels <laughs> in the field? And such a sweet ending, too. It is. It totally is. Even though he doesn't get with... No, no. This movie came out in early 90s. No spoiler alert. No spoiler yeah. alert. No. <laughs> Even though he doesn't get with his real dad, who is a capital D dick, by the way. Yeah. Played by Dermot, Dermot Mulroney. Oh, my God, that's oh, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. A good-looking Dermot Mulroney. Um... He gets with his adopted foster mom, and he gets with JP, and yeah, oh, uh, it's so tender. And then Danny Glover comes out of nowhere. It's like I want to adopt you, kids. I know you it's have so given sweet. me purpose in life. Yep, uh, it's so cute, so cute. Um, fun little tangent. Uh, Danny Glover. As if that wasn't in itself wasn't a fun. T- there were no dragons and angels in the outfield. <laughs> well, angels have wings, therefore dragons. <laughs> A uh, fun little tangent. Danny Glover uh, spoke at my uh, college. What? I know. I'm trying to make this valid. Planes have wings, therefore dragons. <laughs> Top Gun's a dragon movie. Me- Dude, what if Top Gun dragons? was a dragon movie? Mechanical there would be dragons. awesome. There should be a total like pseudo future movie where the kind of a little bit like Avatar, where the the Air Force are people who learn how to mount and ride dragons. Oh my god! Oh my Hold god. on. Avatar is totally a movie with dragons. Oh, yeah, they are dragon-like, fe- dragon-like yeah. creatures. Yeah, yeah. I like guess. I said, how because every culture like, has because they have webby type. wings. Is that why? No, or? because they are mystical beings that are honored and are considered sacred. And as a rite well, of passage, then that I wish consider them mystical. I mean, they they just that's, happen to be the species. I'm trying to tie it in here. I'm helping. I'm trying no, to fine. help. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know what will help? Actually, we have a dragon movie coming out relatively soon. Really, Sarah? Which one is that? I tell why. The second Hobbit movie. Oh, oh that's right. Oh, yeah. The Desolation of Smog. Smog, of course, voiced by none other than Benedict Cumberbatch. Also known yeah. as John Harrison. Yes. Otherwise known as John Harrison. Hot. Hot. Definitely Hot. known as, as John, John Harrison. Harrison. Yep. Also known no as Sherlock. No, no other name. Sherlock Holmes, of course. Yes. yes. Yep. And but that dude in uh, War Horse. So... Uh, I, I, he was in Warhorse for like five minutes. He was a general or sorts yeah. of Warhorse. Yeah, all of British royalty acting royalty was in Warhorse. Yeah, pretty much everybody was in it's Warhorse. True. <laughs> Great movie. I, love, I actually except was one Sir of the Ian McKellen and Sir movie. Patrick Stewart. So we're going uh, off on a total tangent. This. Yeah. So getting back to dragons, I really liked Reign of Fire. Yeah. Was there, was there a dragon in Lord of the Rings? Oh, there was in mystical form. In, in, uh, um, in actually, the Nazgul. Nazgul. I think you can consider the Nazgul as dragons, even though they don't look like traditional dragons. The, oh yeah, the things that the ring wraiths were flying exactly, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Argue, I'd argue that those are <laughs> dragon-like. Yeah. And I got to tell you, uh, I, that's how I perceive them from the two towers, like when they first show up on screen. And I got to tell you, like I was very disturbed because my brain for brain, my brain first told me dragons. And then my conscious part was like, whoa, doesn't look like dragons, but I'm okay with that. Someone will have to clue me in here because I'm not super familiar with the actual text of Tolkien's work. But is there a symbolism behind why Smog is so obsessed with gold? Um, So, no, traditionally portrayed, um, dragons have a task, and that is to hoard. Well, And and they also mentioned that in The Hobbit. 
They that, do say that, goes, that dragons love gold. That concept goes back well, I know, to, but uh, I'm just trying to see if there was a symbolism oh, behind gotcha. that. No, it wasn't a symbol. It just, that's tra- uh, that's tradition. That tradition lore. goes back to Beowulf. Yeah. Oh, okay. Beowulf, the movie Beowulf has a dragon in it, and the symbolism... I didn't actually see the movie. It, I actually I just re- watched it rewatched it's it with Ray uh, Winstone and Angelina Jolie. Right? Yeah, yeah. I just rewatched that uh, not two days ago. Yeah. Um, There's the, also one with Christopher Lambert too from uh, a few years ago. Yes, um, the dragon in Beowulf is actually um, even though it is a being, um, it actually is Beowulf's son, bastard son from the evil demon woman that is played by Angelina Jolie. I forget the character's name. Grendel's Grendel, mother. Grendel's Grendel's Grendel, mother. Grendel's mother. Okay. All right, so Grendel's mother. And so this dragon in Beowulf has the ability to transform into any shape, but its final form... Wait, 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 wait. He sleeps with Grendel's mother? Yes. Spoiler alert! Actually, um, that's not in the actual text. It's just in the movie when but, they do that. But, but if Neil Gaiman wrote the screenplay for the Beowulf movie, <laughs> that means it must be true. No, it means he probably just made it a little bit sexier for film because, well, you know, Angelina Jolie, so she's probably got to have sex with something in uh, it you know? yeah she doesn't have any but sex with anyone in the tomb raider movie the first well, that's one that's good that's yeah. good laura croft is a really good character lara lara whatever i know we okay. americans i know anyway but the dragon does exist it's the third adversary correct and that is definitely still true to um the story to the story and he is hoarding a treasure and right. it's a, a passing of the torch story right but in the movie what they do is they twist and turn it to be actual actually like beowulf's bastard child that has the ability to turn from any any being it wants to but in its final form it decides to battle beowulf as a golden dragon and in the movie beowulf that came out in 2007 it actually does look like you can tell it's a dragon but it doesn't look like a dragon you've seen before especially with the gold sheen finish that it has huh it's really cool that is really interesting yeah even though it's not necessarily a dragon, but it's a evil demon that can take the form of anything, and it decides in its final like point in time, in its own existence, to turn into a dragon. I thought I also wanted to mention as well. Well, you know, I think this has been a great discussion. I'd love to hear what our listeners have to say about dragons. Um, so please talk to us through our listener feedback or through our email, the nerds at nerdonomy of course. Sarah, you said you have some listener feedback. Corrections and feedback, yeah. I do have some listener feedback. This one um, came directly to me, actually, which was very nice. It says, Dear Sarah, I absolutely love Nerds on Film. It makes me laugh and giggle whenever I listen to it. I'm so glad that it's you representing female nerds on this podcast. That was a very nice compliment. Thank you. We need more female nerds in this podcast. We, we need do. more female nerd guests. Yeah. I've got a couple lined up, so no worries. Very cool. It says, I'm still trying to catch up on the podcast since I only started listening two months ago. I just finished the podcast about Pixar, where you have a very entertaining fight. (laughs) Since I live in Michigan and am only 14 with no driving license, I have not been to any of the parks. Sad face. (laughs) I still have, I still very much. There's still time. There's still time. I still very much enjoy the podcast and I have a suggestion on a topic. Julia Roberts. I find her a wonderful actress and the majority of her films entertaining. And I'm very uh, interested in your and the other's view of her and her movies. I think it would be a very entertaining episode if you did that. Also, I'm loving the movie quotes that you shouldn't say during sex. This is from one of your youngest listeners in Michigan. 
Jasmine. <laughs> Jasmine, oh my god. Okay, first of all, I do agree that I would love to do an episode on Julia Roberts. I do think that she is a very fantastic actress. I think she's made some pretty poor movie choices as of late. As of late. But that she's still a, a very strong talent. Um, also, you're 14... Okay, if you guys are if you guys are young, please don't tell me your age. Like, unless you, <laughs> I just feel kind of weird knowing that you guys are listening to the movie quotes after sex portion. <laughs> it, it just as as an adult, I'm kind of yeah. like, oh yeah. Aren't you learning kids. about sex ed right now? Yeah. No, no I, I had sex I'm, ed when I was like ten years old. Oh, this is yeah. This is I, true. I was but being it, yeah. facetious, yeah. sarcastic. Yeah, if you're getting if you're getting sex ed when you're 14, I weep for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you're listening though. Thank you for listening all the way out in Michigan, and I really appreciate the fan mail. And, and thank uh, you for the shout out in terms of the idea for one of our episodes of Nerds on Film. I like good. that idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also wanted to do one quick one before we wrap up mm-hmm. tonight. Um, Stephen, who said this just earlier today when we got it while we were at the con, great podcast. I found out about you from Nerds on History, and I've been telling all my like-minded friends to listen in. Kudos for, for what I've heard so far. Thank you, Stephen, so much. I'd Short love to sweet. hear when people just discover our podcast, uh, both of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. We work very hard to give you the best content we can. We certainly do try. And speaking of which, we work very hard to give you the best content we can. And we are all personally supported. We're trying to go to a user-supported, sorry, a listener-supported model here. So you'll notice if you go to our website, nerdonomy.com, we have our listener feedback button to give us some insight about what you think what you like, what you'd like to have us do better, but also a chance to donate to us through our PayPal account. And we will take any amount of money, $1, uh, you know, just Zimbabwean money, U.S. dollars, whatever. A Hollywood blockbuster-sized budget. Exactly. Uh, whatever you can be willing to give, we would be more than appreciative of it. And it would go to things like, we need an air conditioner in the Nerd Cave. Uh, because the Nerd Cave has no formal heating or cooling system. Sorry, uh, I'm losing my air here. Exactly. Or a formal dedicated computer for our uh, recording our purposes. Exactly. Because we love using my laptop, but it'd be nice to not have to worry about it. felt pretty. It exactly. So pretty. <laughs> so if you could, that'd be great. And uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter at Nerdonomy. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter account at Brian Moriarty. And I'm at Sarah Ash16. Right. And Kevin. No twits for you. No tweets for you. No, no tweeting from me, twanks. You, you are not a tweeting twat. I am not a tweeting twat. <laughs> not to the tweeting twats that tweet out their twats. But you yes. can also get to Kevin through his email address That's on right. com as well as any of ours if you don't want to tweet us. Um, and of course, you can like our Facebook page too for Nerds on Film and Nerds yep. on History. Guys, thank you very much. Listen to us next time. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Calm. Bye. Peace. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I am the last one!